Hello, and welcome to episode 25 of Modulation. This is a music discovery podcast. Each fortnight, we delve into the latest music releases and handpick our favourites to recommend and discuss. On this episode, we'll be discussing Boris's new LP, Heavy Rocks, Noun's new album, While of Unsound Mind, Hudson Mohawk's latest project, Cry Sugar, and the new release from Shrapnel, Metal Lung. You may wish to listen to the albums yourselves before hearing us talk about them, in which case you can find a full list on our website, www.modulat.io. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at modulat.io. My name's Harry, and I'm joined on the mic by Evan. Hello. So uh, we're back. We had sort of a funny schedule thing after, you know, Arctangent and everything that's happened around that, which is, I don't know, for me, great time. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, that was... a as great festival as always and yeah i guess we're, we're, we're back sort of covering a couple weeks before uh we we usually would i think we're sort of gonna try and catch up next week but um yeah we got we got some really cool records to talk about uh this week but before we get into that i guess we've got some sort of, sort of shout outs or if there's anything else you wanted to mention before you get into that no 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 just that i uh, i had a great time at Octangent. um I was there for, for all three days and saw a lot of really good music. Uh, by the end, I was pretty uh, pretty fried, um, especially seeing Godflesh as like one of the last acts. Yeah, uh, I could not stay there particularly long. I had to go, go and watch it from about a mile away, but it was fantastic. Um, and uh, you know, nice to see the new layout of Octangent make it a bit easier to go and see more music. I felt like everything yeah. was a bit closer together this year. Yeah, no, huge shout out to, to Octangent, not just for the fantastic festival they they organize every year but also yeah the the sort of new layout is way more uh i don't know easy to get around it's a lot less panicky getting between the stages um so yeah the, i think they really did a great job with it this year and um no sort of biblical flooding like the last one so um that yeah was nice. the weather was shockingly good this year um, yeah just enough just enough rain to call it our tangent but like other than that it was i mean i got like horrendously sunburned on day one uh, yeah same. even though it was like cloudy it was it was clearly sort of hot and sunny enough that it completely <laughs> roasted me so uh <laughs> yeah good good times very nice to be back um feel free to to, to jump in with with a first shout out whenever you're ready yeah sure so the the first men- uh the first record i wanted to mention for so shouts for this, this period we're discussing is um this uh, collaborative record between uh, Angel Deradorian, Dylan Fajoka, and uh, Patrick Shirishi. It's called Basic Flowers, and this is uh, a really great sort of twenty-five minute piece of uh, just like improvisational experimental jazz. Uh, yeah, just um, a really nice short avant-garde piece that I think definitely has um, sort of wider appeal than maybe a lot of, I guess, for example, other Patrick Shirishi projects or other, I guess, improvisational jazz projects. I think I think this thing is uh, just, it's very short and very sweet and just a really nice sort of short composition that uh, I've got a lot of play out of since it came out. So uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, nice. I I actually uh, didn't hear this one, but um, I remember we were we were both got into Hidemi uh, last yes. year. So uh, I mean, his back catalogue over like just a couple of years is pretty pretty insane. He's worked with a lot of really cool artists. So definitely want to dive into a little bit more. I think. So I have got a shout out 
for probably the biggest album of the week, actually, um, which is the new album uh, by Danger Mouse and Black Thought called Cheat Codes. Um, it is probably one of the most interestingly written hip-hop albums of the year, I'd say. Um, it's almost too dense for me and my little brain to, uh, to dive into in such a short time. I thought this was absolutely fantastic. Probably. But I, I need to spend more time with this one and just really dig into it and, and, and enjoy it. And I think that's, I don't know, it's something that, it's something like that is so not immediate about this one that I think makes it really special. Um, so it's clearly going to be great. I just want to spend a bit more time with it before I can sort of properly, properly sing its praises and appreciate it. Yeah, so this is one that um, when you mentioned to me about 10 minutes ago, I'd completely forgotten came out. But I really need to listen to this one because uh, I've heard a lot of really great things. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a bit. Uh, yeah, I can't believe I forgot to to check this one out, but uh, I definitely will in the coming week, and I'm sure I, I'm sure it's fantastic. Um, but in terms of sort of bigger releases and hip hop releases, uh, the next one I wanted to mention is the new collaborative record between uh, Rock Marciano and the Alchemist, the Elephant Man's Bones. Uh, Rock Marciano, very. Uh, sort of, he's been in the game for a long time. Very influential rapper, I would say, in terms of the uh, sort of esoteric East Coast sound that we're seeing within the underground now, uh, quite a lot, and that we'll kind of be talking about later uh, in one of one of our, our main picks. But mm. he's sort of come and made a full record with the Alchemist, who, I mean, over the last couple of years, seems to be doing this where he's just deciding to make just full records with artists he likes which is um <laughs> yeah i i it's going I, pretty I, well for him you know <laughs> yeah as i was about to say and i feel like he's he's got a pretty good track record of it with uh records with baldy james freddie gibbs armand hammer uh and now rock marciano all i mean turning out pretty fantastic i think all of those records that he's done sort of in collaboration with single artists doing all the production have turned out really well and I think this is no exception. Um, obviously if you're an alchemist fan you'll you'll sort of see his his touches all over this and uh, his production style being very influential but in terms of the I guess the content and what's being delivered here it's fairly similar to what you would expect from Rob Marciano in general but it's just a high quality uh, hip hop record from two two of the best around really in their respective fields in the genre. So um, yeah, no, this is. Uh, I feel like if if this is the kind of thing you've in, you're into, you've you've probably heard this already. But if if you want to hear some some slightly more interesting hip hop, there but not quite way out there, this is definitely definitely one to check out. Yeah, I uh, I spent a little bit of time with this album and I really really loved it. There was some. Pretty ridiculous hip hop coming out this week, uh, and I yes. think some of the—I I don't know—to me, this feels like one of the most successful collaborations the Alchemist has done so far. Um, yeah, which is a crazy like—I don't know—when you look at the the sort of list <laughs> over the last couple of years, that's a pretty crazy claim. But um, I think his production on this is the best it's ever been, and uh, I think it sort of gels so well with what Rock Marciano is doing. Um, I think it's really, really good. Yeah, I think that's a great point, actually. It definitely feels the most sort of holistic of all of those sort of collaborative records. I think some of them, for even how good they were, didn't really feel like as cohesive as they could have been, whereas this record definitely does, and I think is a real achievement from that from that standpoint. 
Mm, yeah, so um, I've got a shout out for the new Chats album, Get Fucked. Uh, so I didn't really like the first Chats album, High Risk Behaviour. Uh, I think maybe I just like, I took one look at the, the cover of that one and decided it was going to be really like, low quality. And to be fair, you know, it was low quality, but like you kind of get, get the idea of what they're doing on that album. But I, I think uh, this new one refines the ideas on that and delivers them in a way that is so much more appealing and just like immediately fun. Um, I think the writing on this one is legitimately hilarious at times. Uh, like in particular on Ticket Inspector and the Price of Smokes, um, two of the tracks in the middle, I think are like some of the best writing in like garage punk I've ever heard. And not because it's necessarily like good writing it's just it's good garage punk writing it's like just hilarious um and i think it does a really good job of i don't know conveying this particular um character and particular sort of scene and place um and, and then on top of that like the riffs themselves like the actual performance i think is really tight like surprisingly tight for an album like this uh it's not always there. Like it definitely has peaks and troughs, but um, I think for the for the most part, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I haven't checked us all the way through, but I like the chats. They're they're just they're just having a fun time, and <laughs> <laughs> um, it's definitely music to, that. Yeah, it's it's very infectious. Um, yeah, shout out to the chats. They're 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 doing fun stuff, and I I appreciate that. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, the the next record I wanted to mention is uh, the new album from Nick Storing called Music From Way. Uh, Nick Storing is a sort of modern classical slash electroacoustic composer uh, whose last few records have been really stand out to me within that sort of field. I think 2020's My Magic Dreams Have Lost Their, have lost their Spell is one of my one of my favorite like. Um, yeah, just electroacoustic, compositional, you know, sort of avant-garde electronic releases in the last few years. I, I really, really love that one. And uh, New Found Out, which came out last year, is one that's really grown on me since its release. So, uh, yeah, I was really excited for this one. And, yeah, I don't think it disappointed. I think, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, I think, I'm not sure I mentioned the name. It's music from Way. Uh, it's out on Orange Milk Records, uh, as was My Magic Dreams. And yeah, I just think he's kind of getting towards mastering this really strange uh, sort of combination within monoclassical and sort of uh, glitchy electronic music that feels very, very surreal in a way that I think a lot of um, either side of that spectrum don't really harness in the way that he's able to. I and as someone who I don't know, I think has a great appreciation for especially surreal music and uh, stuff that comes out on Orange Milk and just electroacoustic music in general. I think he's um, one of the most interesting sort of composers around at the moment. So uh, yeah, huge huge shout out to to Nick Storing on this new one because uh, yeah, this is one I think that I'm going to be going back to quite a bit. Uh, I completely missed this. Like, it completely missed my radar. I try to keep on top of what Orange Milk are up to, and I didn't see it. And that's a real shame, because this looks super cool. So uh, I will definitely go go back and listen to this one. It looks right, man. Uh, I, I don't have much to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, I do have a lot to say about the new Soft Pink Truth album, Was It Ever yes. Real? 
Um, so I, I mean, I absolutely love Matt Moss, and uh, I was really excited to see a sort of Matt Moss adjacent project. Um, especially after like, so the the last, oh no, so they, they actually released a, a one in between this, but um, the 2020 release, Shall We Go On Sinning So The Grace May Increase, was one of my favourite albums of that year. I absolutely yeah. loved it. Um, Same here. I, I absolutely love that album. Yeah, it's really great. Um, so I was really excited to see what, what came out of this. And uh, it's, it's just fantastic. Like, this is, uh, I, I don't know, I feel like this is incredibly underrated at the moment. It's just, um, it's a pretty uh, short Deep House project, but it's like Mammoth Deep House, which makes it automatically interesting and good. Um <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It's 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 almost not fun to spoil too much about this one. I think just just like go into it. Just, yeah. Just, just go and enjoy it. It's on Thrill Jockey. It can't be bad. Yeah. And um, almost not to spoil it. There is a really really cool cover on on, on this thing that uh, yeah. I thought was, the cover on track three is fantastic. Uh yeah. Uh, I thought really really made this thing for me. Um yeah. Huge huge shout out uh, to. Uh, to yeah, whatever everything Matt Moss are doing, Matt Moss adjacent, uh, they're really awesome. And this was uh yeah, no exception. Yeah, Drew's just a really fantastic musician, uh, who kind of can do everything in terms of a genre and approach. I mean, the soft pro- soft pink truth project has housed everything from yeah, like deep house to ambient to like hardcore. Um <laughs> so yeah. He seems to just be doing whatever he wants, and if he's still putting out projects of this quality consistently, then uh, <laughs> then you can't really argue with it, to be honest. <laughs> um, so the the last uh, the last shout out I wanted to to mention is uh, <laughs> the new mixtape by Hackle called Gunsmith the Mixtape. Uh, Hackle mm-hmm. is a member of, of Haunted Mounds, alongside guys like Cemetery and Buckshot, who we've, we've covered on here before. And uh, he's sort of taking a slightly more, uh, almost like heavier direction, sort of incorporating more uh, elements of like drill and trap than you would expect from the more like witch house adjacent stuff you usually see on the, uh, on the label. And uh, yeah, this is just like a really hard hitting 33 minute mixtape. It gets pretty um, monotonous at some points. I think this thing could have even been twenty minutes uh, for yeah, the, yeah. the the breadth of content that's in it. But the tracks that go hard go really hard. Um, so even though I maybe wasn't in love with this as a whole project, I think uh, some of the standout tracks uh, like No Sights, Dumbo, uh, The Grounds, Nothing. Uh, some of the best individual tracks or sort of the, the labels come out with them uh recently so um yeah if, if you're into if you're into cemetery if you're into Bakshaw stuff like that you're probably already on this but if you want to hear some some deep fried uh drill and trap that goes stupid hard <laughs> then i i can't recommend this enough <laughs> yeah deep, deep fried is definitely the best way to describe this um I, I really liked this. I really like uh, I really like the stuff Cemetery and um, Buckshot are putting out as well. I love the fact that one of the producers uh, on this goes by the name Grimoire, which is just incredible. Um, and I particularly like the cover art, where he's sort of like like smithing this poorly photoshopped AK forty seven. 
yeah uh, on an anvil it's amazing <laughs> yeah I, I will mention the other thing this record has going for it is that it probably has my favorite cover art of the year uh if you haven't seen it please look it up this is um yeah absolutely incredible uh absolutely incredible cover that really tells you what you're you're getting in for on, on this record yeah for sure uh, you know i'm surprised this appears to be like like it's sort of decently well received but like it looks like it's sort of been covered by quite a lot of quite a lot of people um i assumed this particular sort of sub movement within hip-hop was smaller uh but apparently not apparently loads of people are onto this stuff so that's good i'm really really glad to see that um hopefully uh hopefully it sort of spreads a little bit more and they can they can expand because they're all doing really cool stuff yeah it's just a really fun time <laughs> yeah um, pretty agree nice so I got one more one more shout out, which is for the new Takani project, Super Shop, Fuck Yourself. Um, I, I knew absolutely nothing about this. I, again, I was just sold by the cover art, um, which is uh, this very like vibrant, uh, high contrast image. Um, and it's, again, an album that is essentially like deep fried and goes super hard, but it takes a very different, uh, approach to song structure so it's more inspired by uh, cloud rap and internet rap kind of stuff as opposed to like hardcore hip-hop horrorcore trap um, everything on this is just blown out to hell like the production is just absolutely ridiculous throughout uh, and it takes those moments where it's like super loud and blown out and then it'll be much more somber and almost like introspective in a weird way before going back into some like crazy industrial nonsense. Um, yeah, if, if you're into experimental hip hop, I think this is a really good one to check out. Um, I don't know a huge amount about, about the artist, but uh, they seem pretty cool. Yeah, I I have not heard of this, but it sounds really sick. Um, yeah, that's definitely one I'm, I'm going to be checking out after this recording. So, um, to sort of move on to sh from shoutouts and onto our main releases uh i guess the first one we're going to want to talk about is the new boris album uh this one's called it's called heavy rocks it's the third time they've released an album called heavy rocks uh <laughs> as a i guess the third installment in the series following up the 2002 and 2011 records of which i think the the 2002 release is probably one of their probably considered one of their classic records and with the 2011 one being one of my least favorite <laughs> Boris albums, to be honest. So um, I was really intrigued for them to, to sort of come back to this series that they've released one album of a decade <laughs> for the last 20 years. Um, especially with this this album sort of coming as part of the, the late career hot streak they seem to be on. Um, since they released No back in 2020, they've really been on it in terms of their both the quality and quantity of their output i think the last they've released like four or five albums in, in that time period and they've all uh been some of my favorite releases by them for one reason or the other i think uh yeah the, the just what they're doing at the moment for a band that have been going for over 30 years is kind of mind-blowing uh so yeah i mean like oh, for, for the longest time, they were the band that fell off, right? Yes, like, exactly. They had this amazing run from 2000 to 2008, and then just, like, a load of really boring stuff 
in the 2010s and then suddenly they were just like oh yeah why don't we just release like some absolute bangers again <laughs> yeah i was gonna say i think there are there are there are a few records in in that time that i think maybe got overlooked by people i think yeah, 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 and sure. noise are both pretty great as well as gensho as well i really like gensho but yeah definitely that there's a especially i guess from like i guess 2008 to 2015 maybe they mm. really didn't drop much that was that really added to their legacy as a already sort of legendary band with like 10 plus at that point like classic or almost classic records within sort of the experimental metal sphere uh so for them to have sort of get back on it after about sort of 10 years of putting out some pretty mediocre some pretty mediocre releases has been a uh, really fantastic to see and i think this is i think they've kept up the street with this one i i've had a really fun time listening to this i think this is actually my favorite thing that they've released may, may, maybe like of the last set of really good albums like of, of the new stuff I, I really really like this one um it has its moments and it, it's a bit like thematically all over the place but when it when it hits it really hits like there's some really really cool stuff in this especially in the middle for me yeah um, i guess we'll we'll break down the tracks a little bit more but um maybe yeah. the exception to that would be oh it's the one i can't pronounce 2ro12po <laughs> the one with mersbo <laughs> A uh, rip twenty twenty. Yeah, that's the one. I yeah. couldn't like. I was looking at the title of it, like I just can't work out what that says right now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that one as well. But, uh, yeah, this one, this one's fantastic. I also say it's like we've talked about some great cover art. Um, yes. Maybe I've just got a version to leopard print or something. But <laughs> this one is like really off putting. I don't know. They're, they're already a band with a weird aesthetic, especially for people who live in the UK. Um, like a lot of people, you, you talk about this band. I've talked about this band with people who are into metal in the workplace. And they're like, <laughs> what are you on about? <laughs> that sa- it sounds terrible. I mean, it sounded terrible before we had the whole Prime Minister thing. But like, yeah. <laughs> um, the aesthetic of this album is very, very weird. Uh, yeah, no, as, as I was say, I mean, with the, the sort of previous Heavy Rocks releases, like the 2002 one was, was just like orange with the logo. The 2011 one was just purple with the logo. And then this new one is just leopard print for some reason and they released these really fantastic like uh i guess bands promo photos for this record of them all just like dressed in leopard print suits and stuff in like a leopard print room uh incredible no no yeah of course uh beautiful and yeah i mean there are some other really interesting things that were drawing me into this record before uh before its full release with I guess the main thing being uh, that we have some some pretty substantial sort of featured runtime uh, from uh, Kazuya Wakabayashi uh, on saxophone, which is something I don't think I've heard on a Boris record before, uh, which is really interesting, especially considering they were going back to heavy rocks, some of the more, I guess that 2002 record, I would say, in terms of their like best output is probably their most straightforward uh rock slash metal album i think it's probably their most accessible of their of their like highest tier records i would say uh mm. songs are a lot shorter um they don't quite go into the real 
noisy feedbacky direction that uh, some of the, the albums that we're putting out before or after did. Uh, so for them to sort of be branching out while still sort of keeping out this this aesthetic of like, okay, this is this is sort of the album for the bangers, right? Uh, I thought that was really interesting. And I mean, to, to, to sort of uh, talk about that that part of the, the use of saxophone on this record, uh, mm. because I think it is probably, I don't know, the, mo- the most interesting thing for me as a Boris fan having uh, gone into this record. I think, uh, I think it was really well integrated because I think it very easy, they very easily could have made this the sax album, right? Where there was just sax on every song for no reason uh, and it was just very overbearing. But it kind of only comes in in like sort of B sections and back halves of songs. Uh, and it feels very purposeful. It feels very natural uh, in a way that doesn't feel overbearing, but doesn't feel like they've wasted that uh, resource at the, that they have for this record. I think, um, uh, as, I, as I say, I think it would have been quite easy to have sort of like a, what I would almost consider like new toy syndrome where sometimes you hear a record or whatever and you feel and you realize oh this this artist has just discovered this or has just found out how to play this thing or whatever and it's just all over the album and it's just really distracting once you notice it but i think um i think they really handled that that well for something that i don't think they've done to this point as a band in their 30 years of existence uh yeah i don't know how you feel about that and and how uh how they were able to use use that on the record, but I think it, it, it uh, they really pulled it off well, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I thought it was a really nice addition. Um, it's not, surprisingly, it's not the thing that surprised me the most about the record, but we'll get onto that a little Interesting. bit. Interesting. Uh, well, okay, I'll, I'll spoil it now. Um, there's a couple of tracks later on that use some auto-tune. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I thought the, the, the brass stuff was super cool. Um, and yeah, integrated really well. It sounded like I don't know. It sounded like uh, it, it maybe wasn't like the first time I've heard those ideas put together. Um, I'm no. trying to think of a, an example of a band where where that's happened, but I can't. Um, but yeah, I I felt like I'd, I sort of heard those ideas before, but it was really cool to see like Boris's spin on them um, with the sort of the classic Boris faux rock and roll stoner metal aesthetic, um, which is which is really cool. Yeah, if if it's really nicely. Um, and I guess it was I don't know, it was nice to see that side of things before you hit the middle section where it like slows down a lot more and gets a lot more sludgy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, as I say, I think that as you mentioned, that's sort of more present in the sort of the first and like final thirds of the record, if you were to sort of split it up in mm. in that way. And uh, so, I mean, this is a record that I think with the sort of singles coming from. The, the first half I was expecting that to be sort of what I was focusing on with like uh, Opener She Is Burning and My Name Is Blank and stuff like that but generally I sort of with repeat lessons that's probably the the part of the record that's maybe stuck with me the least I think uh, we talked quite a bit about sort of the 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 middle of the record but uh, sort of when we go from the track the fourth track blah 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 onwards which is a really great sort of noisier interlude type track it's got a really fun vocal performance uh like some real shrieking on this thing and it's sort of contrasted with these poppy refrains that i think was really fun but then um 
I think it just almost effortlessly goes into the sax section, the sax section, and then transitions into uh, question one, which I think uh, is one of the standout tracks on the record for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I really, uh, I don't know. It just, it just, it felt like it worked so well. But yeah. I, that's, this is kind of their bread and butter, right? Like, yeah, they, no, uh, they, they eat the shit up, like. <laughs> uh, no, for sure. And I guess it was like, this is maybe why some of the weirder autotuny stuff caught me off guard a little bit more. Like for the, the the brass was like, oh, that's a that's a cool take on Boris. Whereas when I heard the autotune, I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> um, I actually yeah. can't I can't remember the, the track they do it on. Is it Ruins or Nosferatu? Uh it's one of those I think, it's sort of, I think it's Nosferatu, I believe. Yeah, the second, third of things, yeah. So um, I guess the, the rock and rolly stuff comes to a bit of a close around blah, blah, blah. And then it yes. the question one. Um, and that's where it really slows down and you get sort of the other side of Boris. Because, again, they've, they've done plenty of this this other side as well where yeah. it's very sludgy, very experimental, um, drawn out, terrifying, insanely loud stuff. Um, and I absolutely love that. That's my absolute favorite parts of this album where they, like, yeah. they just really, really lean into that. Um, which is really cool. I don't know. How, how did you find that stuff? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I think that was, I, I agree with you. I think that's probably my, my favorite part of the record, but it's also the way that, um, some other styles that they've experimented with recently are sort of integrated within that. I think, especially the track question one. Uh, it had parts of it that reminded me a lot of what they were doing on No with like integrating sort of Japanese hardcore style sounds into yeah, their yeah, sort of yeah. repertoire, but also it felt fused more with their sort of noise sludge stuff that they, they do on, on their sort of slower, heavier records in a way that I, um, it felt like, it felt like a more Boris version of what they were doing on No, you know what I mean? It's like they've got no and they've turned the Boris dial up. Um, uh, yeah, and I think there were some other really, really interesting choices. I think uh, the track Ghostly Imagination, which I think was another real stand-up for me, had this uh, sort of backing electronic drums that were almost like techno-inspired <laughs> in sort of the first yeah, half yeah, yeah. that I thought went absolutely crazy. I, I really, really enjoyed that. And again, it's something I hadn't really heard from them before. Um, that, yeah, I think took me slightly by surprise, but not, I feel like I'm not really ever surprised by anything on a Boris record at this point. I feel like they can, they can kind of do anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that was a, another really nice touch that they, they added to this record to, again, just keep things, keep things fresh. I mean, I feel like they could have very easily just, especially with the, the way the tracks are sort of written on this record just having written and released this as being basically a straight-up successor to the Heavy Rocks 2002. But um, there were sort of, yeah, lots of interesting aesthetic, uh, aesthetic sonic, and some songwriting uh, sort of influences and choices that really made this record stand out from what they were doing on that previous album. Uh, yeah, While definitely. still keeping that same theme of these are the more, I guess... These are the more upbeat bangers that you, that you're going to get from Boris, right? I, I feel yeah, like that's yeah, yeah. sort of what the the sort of heavy rocks 
uh, almost like designation is is sort of telling you. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I sorry. I, I was just gonna say it's, it's something that a lot of bands struggle with is this like this, and and I think and I, I think Boris has struggled with this in the past is this uh, this idea of like how do you continually release albums that stand out after yeah. thirty years? Uh, and the answer is it's really hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, and, exactly. And, you know, this album's place in the in the Boris canon is really weird because yeah, it's like the third part of a trilogy but also it's so clearly inspired by their more recent stuff um it doesn't really feel like a true successor to those other ones to me yeah no i was about to say i mean for for me this this record feels like um it it feels somewhat a successor to to the heavy rock 2002 but almost yeah. more so to know and maybe even some of the more uh the popular stuff they were doing around 2011 like on on new album and stuff like that. I think there's definitely some sort of uh, sort of grab you can take from that in terms of uh, some especially aesthetic approaches on this record. Maybe not in terms of the actual songwriting or whatever. But I think uh, there are definitely some ideas that sort of carry between those. Uh, and I think that that makes for a really interesting and pretty diverse record for what I feel like what this could have been. I feel, as I say, this very easily could have been a record of just sort of straight up more upbeat Boris tracks uh, sort of in the style of that 2002 record and the way that they were able to sort of come up with some interesting and novel ways to, to get around that. Uh, but also that didn't feel gimmicky. They felt very sort of integral to, to each of the tracks and what they were trying to do. Um, yeah, I think, especially in context with actually having heard the previous album, W, uh, there was the, again. There were some really, really interesting parts of that record that, again, I'd never heard them do before. Uh, mm. And uh, it's obviously, I don't know, those records coming out in succession feels like a feels like a sign of, of where they're heading in terms of really wanting to to kick on and, and do some stuff that's kind of been out of their out of their wheelhouse and, until now, which I, I really appreciate. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, sort of sums up everything I was yeah. feeling about this one. Uh, you've, you've hit the nail on the head with that, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the, my main problem with this record is I didn't really like the production. It was a bit flat, uh, yeah, a bit compressed. So. Uh, but other than that, this is just a really fun Boris record. Um, yeah, I, f I feel like uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of hard to talk about at some points, obviously. When Boris come out with an album, it feels like I listen to it, and no matter the whatever genres they're doing from whatever billion they've done before, I listen to it, and it feels like this is a Boris album. It's either good or bad. <laughs> um, yes, in terms of how I, I think view that's it, completely fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's very reductive, but in my mind, that that's sort of how it how it goes. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I feel like this is what, as I said, four or five really high quality releases in a row um so yeah i i'm again i'm really excited that they're, they're keeping going on this really great streak i think um yeah yeah they, they talk they talk like crazy so um go see them now before they suck again you know like it's only a matter of time yeah 10 years yeah, on 10 years off say, <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say i think um from what i've heard on their current north america tour they're on at the moment their entire set list is uh, this album and no, uh, which I would absolutely love to see. So hopefully they bring that tour over here at some point because um, 
I definitely want, I well since I've wanted to see the no material live since that came out and I definitely want to hear this material live as well so um yeah <laughs> yeah for Bor- sure. Boris Boris is still putting out great records we we love to see it who would have guessed <laughs> <laughs> they only have like 20 25 really great records <laughs> yeah oh yeah 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 that's true you know that's true. it's like the easiest discography to get into ever yeah don't, no, don't, exactly. don't forget me started on the the fucking non-lp stuff like the live albums are all like, absolutely ridiculous um yeah i, don't know, I guess if, if it's if, it, if they're a band that someone listening to hasn't heard before or maybe someone's like oh this Boris band sounds interesting with their new album, Heavy Rocks. Where do I get into them as an entry point? Where Because their, their, their catalogue is so overwhelmingly like terrifying if you look at it. Yeah. Where would you, where, where would you go in as an entry point at this point? So I think, I think it depends where you're coming from. Uh, I'd say I think probably Heavy Rocks 2002 or Pink uh, in terms of from a more rock direction. Probably Pink actually. Uh, is yeah. the one I would recommend Actually, to start yeah. with. I think I agree. Um, or if you're into more droney stuff, probably Feedbacker. But generally, I think uh, I think Pink is probably the. It, it feels like it covers sort of all the facets of their their sound, sort of at at that point in their discography, uh, and it's got some of their most iconic tracks. Uh, so yeah, I think that I think definitely Pink is probably the one I'd recommend starting with. I think Heavy Rocks 2002 is also a really great shout. And I think this this one honestly would not be a bad place to start. Uh, yeah, just, I think I agree. It's like just so because it, it's it's very varied and also probably one of their more accessible records. Uh, so yeah, definitely definitely would probably work as as a pretty good intro. But yeah, as I say, I think Pink is is probably the best the best idea in terms of if you haven't had Boris, which if you haven't can't recommend enough uh that yeah, it's yeah, such yeah. a rabbit hole and as you mentioned like live records and everything there's so much to get into but i think uh yeah <laughs> definitely uh a very expansive but very rewarding discography i would say yeah 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 for sure awesome cool so i guess we're gonna want to move on to our, our next release of the episode yeah, 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 sounds good. So uh, the next release is going to be the new Nouns album, While of Unsound Mind. Um, Nouns are a group from the United States, so I had to look that up. And uh, I guess so, so, so back in the day, they were a pretty standard emo band. Um, back in like 2013, they put out two pretty pretty cool little albums. Uh, and then they, they went quiet for like, eight years, seven years or something. And then they came back last year with um, a little, uh, I guess, EP level project. It's like 20 minutes called uh, Lonely Place of Dying, which really caught my attention. Um, I wasn't expecting to be into it or like it that much. And it absolutely blew me away. Uh, I think I called it my EP of the year or something. Um, So that album is super, super cool. And so I saw a a new full length was coming out and obviously I was like mega excited about that. And uh, it kind of lived up to the expectations. Um, I wasn't, in fact, maybe maybe it exceeded them in some ways. Um, I was sort of expecting a really high quality experimental rock emo post-hardcore project written by some really talented musicians but actually I ended up getting something much more 
arty and left field out of this one. Um, it's a very weird album that goes to a lot of different places, but to me, this is like, I guess, without bearing the lead too much, uh, this is probably the closest thing I've seen to the equivalent of like a Brave Little Abacus album in a long, long time. As in a really, really well-written, well-performed emo release that completely subverts the genre and almost like creates something like entirely unique in itself. Um, so if you can't tell, I really liked this album. <laughs> um, but I don't know, had you, had you sort of heard much nouns before? Were you particularly familiar with them? I'd never listened to them. I knew of them. Uh, I think I'd sort of mentally grouped them under that sort of, I guess, sort of screamo revival that went, ran adjacent to the sort of emo revival at the time, which mm. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the bands from that scene. I think Snowing are pretty good. Um, <laughs> that's about it. I'm not, I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm very much more of a fan of the, the older stuff within the genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess the more recent stuff as well. Uh, I think that that sort of wave is something that kind of passed me by. Uh, so yeah, I, I I was vaguely familiar, but I'd never taken the time to listen to nouns before. And this was um, <laughs> this was not what I was expecting, even slightly. Uh, yeah, where to start? I mean, I guess the so, intro track is probably yeah. I was I was, I was about to say yeah. I mean, so I mean, I came into this. Uh, as I say, I looked at like the Spotify related artists and stuff, and I was like, okay, I'm expecting a screamer record. And then I see it's 60 minutes, and I'm like, oh my god, what is this? Uh, and then I I click on the first track, and it's like glitchy synth hardcore with these really strange sound effects going on, yeah, yeah, yeah. and insanely crunchy production. And I was like, I have no idea what this is, but I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it just goes from there. And every track where you feel like it's not going to do something, you feel like, okay, they're just going to like, they're just going to steady the shit from here. It just keeps going and going mm. and going into literally wherever they feel like. I, I, I feel like I can't even describe the sort of breadth of genre and style that they go through on this record. I mean, some of the, some of the stuff I had written down <laughs> in, in my notes after listening to the record, there are parts of like screamo, post-hardcore, noise rock, Midwest emo, math rock, hardcore punk, post-rock, brutal prog, J-rock, K-pop at points <laughs> reminded me of. Uh, <laughs> insane. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that, like, I feel like you could come up with more than that. That's only just what, uh, I I came up with all the top of my head when listening to this. I think, um, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is a very ambitious record, uh, to say the least. And I think it does a really good job of, I guess, I guess creating a record that justifies that level of ambition in the sense that they kind of in terms of when you, you have a record like this that's jumping around all over the place in terms of uh, sort of influences and genre and style I think um, it can be very easy to feel like they're kind of doing it for the sake of it whereas I feel like this 
had a, a lot more to it than that that I really appreciated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how I you mean, felt about that, but I think um, had I known what this record was going to be like going in, I probably maybe would have had lower expectations just because I would have expected it to be kind of gimmicky, you know? Yeah, I think if you're going to have a post-hardcore record with Flugelhorn and Gamelan music... <laughs> And then have a feature from Paranul. I think you really need to like pull out all the stops. Like you can't, you can't just do that if it's not going to be good. Um, and yeah, and, 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 and exactly like that. Like I think it does such a great job of justifying every decision it makes um, throughout, uh, which is honestly remarkable. That there's, it's like it's able to be so ambitious and and pull it off. Um, which, which yeah. again, even more so that like. It's it, it's kind of shares some DNA with the Boris album in that yes it's like stylistically all over the place so it never really commits to the it commits to the bit as the kids say um, you know there are there are so many different styles being presented across this and they all sort of blend in and out of each other. Um, in a way that on the surface feels like it shouldn't work. And yeah, the whole time I was like fully enraptured by it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really interesting the way it's sort of the experience of listening to this record uh, just all the way through, because I think doing it any other way would, wouldn't really work <laughs> because I think mm. a lot of the tracks maybe don't actually stand on their own because some of the weird genre transitions and idea transitions happen mid-track at some points the the track boundaries feel a little arbitrary uh and especially i think like the first 40 minutes of this or so of this record feels kind of like one or one sort of piece with lots of small movements within it uh because uh the way in which the tracks really just flow into each other pretty fantastically i feel like they almost flow into each other like too well <laughs> in a way because i'll just like i'll be listening to it and then there's something they'll they'll be like a post hardcore section and then i'll maybe maybe zone out a bit and then i'll rezone back in and now they're doing something completely different uh and i'm like wait how do we get here i almost have to like rewind it to be like what what happened here i just completely missed i missed the memo it felt like we were still listening to the same song. There was no jarring transition or anything. And suddenly I'm listening to a completely different album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, completely. Uh, so it, it's a it's a really weird listening experience. And one that, especially the first time I, I listened to this, I, I, I didn't really know how to feel about. Uh, just because it, it really caught me off guard. And I think for a, a rock record, especially a hardcore adjacent record like this, to really catch me off guard like that, is something that I feel like doesn't happen very often uh, at this point uh, in terms of, I don't know, how familiar I am with, with the genre and how much of that I've listened to. It feels very... Uh, yeah, I, it doesn't happen very often, really. Uh, but this thing was, I don't know, just so strange in terms of its approach, especially just how the record fits together across its entire runtime. Um yeah, I think, uh, and another key thing I, I think about this record that you've kind of already alluded to is that there's some really great musicianship on here. I think one of the first things I noticed, other than 
whatever the hell they were doing stylistically on the opening track was the the guitar work on on, on that song in terms of you have these really noisy unhinged solos uh, going on over like this sort of yeah like synthy hardcore that they're doing uh, and yeah, the 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 guitar solos. I mean, almost to reference Boris again, almost reminded me a bit of sort of what Wata does uh, when she's sort of soloing. In terms of, it really just feels uh, just very almost like it almost feels adjacent to the song, but not quite <laughs> part of it in in a very sort of strange way that uh, I think really works for these sort of weirder rock and metal releases uh yeah i i think the the playing from pretty much everyone involved on this thing is is pretty incredible in terms of how they're yeah how that how they're able to not only be uh very tight and very uh, cohesive but also just the sheer breadth of styles they're able to play to a high technical ability without really missing a beat or anything i think is is really uh, impressive yeah, well, so I I don't know if you if you've read the um any of the I mean like they're not really liner notes anymore are they but um the, the credits I guess uh, but actually um so the the vocals guitar bass and drums uh are all done by one guy Carl Parker who's oh wow that's the, really impressive the, the, that's the really impressive the yeah well I think I think that's even more interesting is that like it's basically just a one man solo project and um I I, I assume it's a man uh I guess I, I'll just use they them um but uh, they uh. Um, so, so, so this was all recorded in uh, their lounge, <laughs> like, like there's no right. no recorded studio, it, which I yeah. guess I I mean I think like maybe that explains some of the aesthetic choices because yeah, definitely. If the environment doesn't allow you to record super crisp high quality sound, then it sort of forces you to make things sound more crunchy and uh, fuzzy in order to to make it still work. Um, which which works perfectly like that's, that's i think that is exactly like it fits the the album aesthetically but like i think it's interesting that it basically also becomes a sort of symptom of the environment that it's recorded in yeah well i think i don't know not to get too sort of generalistic but i think a lot of uh i feel like a lot of great art comes from people using their limitations to their advantage right and i think this is definitely yeah, a great sure. example of that in terms of um I thought the the production was a really great asset to this record because I I sort of mentioned this earlier in terms of not really being a fan of maybe the wave of bands that came through within the scene uh, alongside uh, Nouns when they first first came out and uh, I think a lot of that had to do with the for a, a sort of hardcore adjacent genre the 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 production on some of those records really personally to me felt uh felt very lacking in terms of how hard hitting it was i think they were uh those records really didn't have the kind of heft to them that some of some of the early releases within the genre did um you know i i just i just think about how heavy and uh sort of just impactful the, the sort of riffs and drums and stuff are from bands like like Orchid or One Eye God Prophecy, especially uh, who right. huge influence on, I guess Orchid in terms of how they how they uh, produced and how how their sound 
came came about um i sort of look back to those slightly more sludgy records and i think i i just want i just want something a bit more uh someone with something with a bit more heft to it and i think this definitely delivers in terms of especially how crunchy some of the per percussion is on this it really allows um uh it just really um allows everything to sort of meld together in a really sort of nice way that i think a lot of more uh lo-fi and uh i guess home recorded uh records can can really take an advantage of of sort of having a very cacophonous mix um yeah, I, th I thought it was just done really well. Uh, I think there were so many things about this record that were just done really well uh, on a, on an individual level. I, I think it was, uh, yeah, just just a really impressive record above anything else. Um, yeah, and I think another thing that's worth mentioning, you mentioned that there's there's vocals from here, from, from Paranal on uh, Amita Drive. And when yeah, those come in... It's, it's, quite, it's, it's quite a lot of vocal, um, vocal yeah. contributions from like, it's like seven or eight people contributed for vocals but obviously paranormal sort of stands out yeah definitely especially base. in terms of the the instrumental sort of very much changes to get go towards that more maybe not maybe not quite the the sort of shoegaze direction of 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 their music but it definitely has a more almost like j-rock inspired direction uh, i felt uh, for that part of the track and there are there are parts on the track feedback loops which have like really like soft low-key rapping on them <laughs> mm. uh and there's some i guess uh the closer has parts that almost are like has industrial hip-hop influence and then it goes into this sort of oxbow type bluesy noise rock um yeah i think that that uh in particular was a real standout track for me actually um just i i felt like it really sort of rounded out what this record was trying to do in a, in a really impressive way. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think, I think the, my sort of main reservations about this thing, uh, kind of also come in, in sort of conjunction with its strengths in terms of the fact that I think they do a lot of great and really interesting things, but obviously when you have so many, ideas coming at it not all of them are going to stick there are parts of this record that i think didn't work as well as others i think especially um the the sort of section uh from like the intro of magnificent steiner onwards to uh between that and the last track felt a little bit redundant to me uh didn't really feel necessary uh but i think uh in terms of when you're making a record like this where the ideas are coming thick and fast, those those parts that maybe don't feel as uh, don't feel as important to the to the overall record sort of come and go a lot quicker than than maybe uh, a more conventional record, right? Uh, so that means I guess the the parts that feel like maybe misses uh, aren't as impactful. And I think there are definitely way more hits than misses throughout this this record's track list. Yeah, I I think it's fair to say that um, you know it's not always perfect, but uh, I guess that to me sort of 
adds to the charm of it. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's <definitely>. crazy, <laughs> hyper experimental, all over the place thing. Um, which, which is why I was, I was, to me, it feels like so. Like two of my favorite albums of all time are the uh, the Brave Little Abacus releases, uh, Mass Dancers, and Just Got Back from the Discomfort, because I'm a massive post-hardcore and emo fan, and those albums basically like distorted the genre in such a way that they almost became their own crazy things and to me this feels like the closest thing that we'll ever see to, to an album that sort of does that um, so for that reason I just I really really loved it I had a, had a lot of fun listening to this one and I think I'm going to be listening to this quite a lot more <laughs> over the year um, I just want to say um, so the, the, the other things I wanted to add were uh, I wanted to give a shout out to the number of uh, different instruments that do appear on this. I talked about the gamelan. Early, yeah, but it's like really impressive. <laughs> trumpet, tenor sax, um, prepared guitar, flute, violin, move mitriac, alto yeah. sax. Uh, there's a, a no-input mixing board, which is really yes. cool. Um, banjo, mandolin, uh, flutophone. I, I mean, I've not even heard of some of these. Uh, I don't even know what data bending is, but, you know, that sounds pretty cool. I assume that's just like production right <laughs> sure yeah but, um and uh some of the shout outs are uh so some of the the special thank yous on that are particularly cute um my favorite of all of them is to the tekken community um so shout out arkansas fgc uh, i'm a, a big big fgc guy myself and i i respect the community uh looking out for looking out for carl on this one <laughs> nice yeah as i say i think yeah, I, I mean, I don't really have too much to say other than I think maybe this record does get a bit fatiguing at points. But I think you, because of the way it sort of moves in and out of things very smoothly, you can almost like check out for a little bit so then get back into it, uh, depending on on how you're feeling. And I think, um, yeah, I, I, it just feels like a very well-tailored album experience for something so disparate, uh, which is, yeah, just really impressive to me. As I say, I don't think it's it'll end up being like my absolute favorite album of the year, but I'm just really impressed with, uh, especially knowing that this is now, and especially now knowing that this is mainly all one guy. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, I mean, the the first line on the Bandcamp page is a uh, concept album two of three, so I'm assuming one of three was um, Lonely Place of Diane. So that to me would suggest that there is a uh, a third part to maybe these like sort of newer newer album releases that are coming out. Um, but you know the Bandcamp page also says that they're sort of particularly grateful that they they got to make the album they wanted to, which I guess um, involves a huge amount of creative effort. So it might be a little while till we see this uh, this trilogy conclude. But I'm very very excited to see any more of this one. Yeah, for sure. Um... Yeah, uh, as I say, wasn't a band that I was familiar coming into coming into this, but I'm definitely a band I'm going to be looking out for in the future because this is just one of the most unique releases I've heard in a very, very long time and one that is, uh, yeah, definitely going to stick with me for a ton of reasons, I think. Uh, yeah, de- definitely one of the, the most interesting releases of the year, for sure. Mm. Um, cool. So I, if we're sort of happy to move on, we can sort of talk about the, the third record from for 
this episode, which is the new album by Hudson Mohawk, Cry Sugar. So despite having had a, a pretty long career uh, with, I guess, his breakout sort of mixtape coming out all the way back in 2006, this is somehow only the third proper full-length album from uh, sort of visionary Glaswegian producer Hudson Mohawk. Uh, this last album coming in 2015, which is called Lantern, which I think was probably, I mean, considered some of his least interesting work. So it's not really surprising that he's taken some time off from uh, releasing proper albums since then. But, I mean, he's put out a lot of material in that time, especially uh, in 2020 when he released three albums worth of unreleased archival IDs, like basically all the stuff he had on his hard drive, uh, stuck it out and, you know... Uh, sort of gave people access to some some unreleased tracks that people had been uh, people had been looking for 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 a very very long time. So that was uh, that was very fun. Uh, but mm. yeah, it was really exciting to see that he was coming through with a a proper full length record um, for the first time in 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 seven years. Because I think um, uh, for me, especially someone who's growing up listening to a lot of, I guess this kind of uh, very I guess, bouncy, in-your-face uh, electronic music. Uh, I think especially the record um, Butter is such an important album in terms of the development of that sound, in terms of EDM, trap, future bass. Uh, and I think it gets nowhere near enough credit as it does. I think that, that record is insanely important and influential in a way that uh, it maybe doesn't get its due for. So I was excited to 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 see what he was gonna come through with on on this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, what's what's your I guess experience listening to to Hudson Mohawk prior to this? Uh, absolutely zero. Nice. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is the, the reverse situation from the last album. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely no idea. Uh, I saw. I want to say this came out on Warp. Yeah, it did come yes. out. Yes, uh, did come out on Warp. Um, I saw this came out on Warp, and to me, that's always at least like a good sign that it's going to be worth checking out. But um, yeah, not not familiar with the artist at all, uh, and uh, I was pretty pleasantly surprised. Um, I it's just such a fun album, um, and like I guess I'm not super familiar, particularly with like a lot of these uh, electronic subgenres, like. I mean, I, I've sort of I've heard some wonky albums before, and I know a little bit about future bass and UK bass, and even like break music. But um, it was a really interesting experience for me going into this fairly blind because uh, it's just incredibly fun. Not every moment maybe hit to the same extent, but when this got going, I thought it was pretty essential. Um, I hadn't really heard anything particularly like this it felt like when it was sort of really creatively going it's like it sort of, sort of gave me the same warm feeling that you get when you listen to a really creative square pusher album yeah you're like wow <laughs> no one will ever make anything like this again it's sort of like it almost like uh oh, so i've been thinking a lot about ai art right this this is a weird tangent um it's okay. and and uh, for, for the record, I hate this shit. Uh, and, and that's as a, a software engineer who literally writes code for a living. Um, I absolutely despise AI artwork. 
And I think albums like this just show why you should hate that shit because (laughs) that stuff is just so lifeless and drab and fucking boring and stuff like this is so unbelievably creative and like full of energy and life that it just like i don't know it's like life affirming for me when i hear some some of the the really really good moments in in an album like this Uh, that's, that's, that's really cool i mean um yeah as this is as i say i feel like in keeping with a lot of his career to this point coming through was just really really fun music and i think uh what i think makes this stand out to me in terms of his releases to this point is i think at, at this time in his career he's such a i guess technically proficient and talented producer that he kind of just needs an idea and then that sort of small idea whether that be a single sample or like a small loop it it feels like uh it feels like a, it, everything just fills in from there you know <laughs> in terms mm. of uh yeah in in terms of what it's doing and i think something that's quite interesting is in in terms of the sort of obviously you know it's mostly within the bounds of like dance music electronic music but the the sort of breadth of uh, sort of subgenres that he's he's covering on this thing almost did remind me of the 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 nouns record we were talking about before in terms of yeah, having yeah, yeah. a very similar length uh large amount of tracks but also um going into some some really interesting places that it maybe didn't have to um uh, especially when you compare it to some of his previous work i think um uh yeah i think some of the more almost like uh chipmunk soul stuff and the the real sample based tracks on here uh sort of in the first half especially are really 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 stand out i think uh intentions behold uh are two of my favorite uh hudson mohawk tracks i've heard uh within sort of his uh, sort of this and the all the other really recent release stuff that, that he came out with back in 2020 mm-hmm. i think um the way in which he's able to sort of morph these uh very short samples is almost unparalleled in terms of how he's able to reframe this into a a dance context i think um yeah i feel like uh, he could he could make i feel like he could make any sample bang you know what i mean (laughs) uh and when he's got access to these really great sort of uh, old soul samples, really hooky, very infectious. Uh, sort of putting that on top of his incredible sounding drums and like really crisp, bright production. Uh, it's just, it's just a really great recipe for an extremely fun electronic music album. I think, um, yeah, so, some some early points of this record uh, really impressed me. I think the sort of transition from Behold into Bixstan uh is really beautiful and it sort of goes in the direction of like some really frantic acid house with this really great sample uh over it that yeah that that was a real real highlight for me but also one thing that also stood out to me in in terms of this album is it felt a lot better paced than some of his previous records despite being longer than them i think uh the more 
atmospheric interlude tracks are far better than anything he'd put out to this point. I think Stump almost reminded me of like a Caroline Polachek instrumental. And uh, th there were there were a few other like um, sort of, I guess, progressive electronic uh, influence tracks, like uh, I believe Lonely Days uh, mm -hmm. that add an extra dimension to his sound and really help the flow of the record. I think that, tr that track especially reminded me, maybe not in terms of the actual substance of the track, but in terms of the approach, reminded me kind of what uh, Igloo Ghost was doing on Leyline Eon in terms of a yes, more, yes, yes, yes. Uh, I guess, slowed down, refined version of his sound while still making it hit quite hard. Uh, and yeah, I, I really appreciated some of the directions he was taking on some of the less hard-hitting tracks on, on this thing. Because I think that is what really made the difference for me from this album to something like Butter. Uh, it felt far more cohesive and well structured in in terms of yeah, in, in terms of, in terms of how things were spaced and also how good the less high energy tracks were. <laughs> I don't know how you felt about that, for, but for me, I think some for an artist, I feel like I associate with just like high energy bangers i think some of the more down tempo points were really stand out for me on this thing yes i totally agree and they, they, those were the moments where i needed to pay more attention because my temptation when <laughs> listening to like especially coming from the first songs was just to like vibe out to it and just enjoy it yeah um and it's like it's so like overwhelming at points that you're like you, you can just sort of get away with that but um, yeah, yeah, you, you do need to slow down and really pay attention when it when it um, when it goes to those sort of quieter moments, and, and, I, and I think that's good. I think it's like it's a really nice way of drawing you in and sort of forcing you to pay attention. Um, you don't have to, but like I don't, I don't yeah. think you'll get the most out of it if you do, uh, which is cool. I was I was really into that. Yeah, there there they were. I mean, there were songs all over this thing that I thought were great, and actually I thought the pacing of it was generally pretty great. Yeah. Um, I don't think there are any particular stretches in the album that are super weak or like when there's a weaker track it tends to be sort of an interlude between better yeah tracks. so so um, or surrounded by higher quality tracks i think maybe a bit sort of in the towards the end maybe from from like three sheets to the wind is maybe the weakest stretch uh before the last couple tracks but i think mm. it's only like two or three uh that really didn't quite hit for me uh but other than that i think I, as you say the way the way it's paced in terms of it it sort of front loads the bangers then goes into a slightly weirder direction and then comes out the other end and to just i, I felt almost like a, a a triumphant return to uh the 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 sort of sunny uh hard hitters that that you that i feel like you would associate with with him as an artist um yeah, yeah yeah i think the the other the other track I, I wanted to sort of single out in terms of how much i enjoyed it was probably uh the track is it supposed because uh that yeah. almost felt like uh that track remind especially the sample work reminded me so much of what dj sabrina does uh but right. in like a future-based context and i thought the results were absolutely wonderful i i mean we're we're both massive fans of, of dj sabrina uh, and yeah, I, I think, uh, yeah, 
to compare someone's sample work to DJ Sabrina's sample work is a huge compliment uh, because I think <laughs> she's absolutely one of the best in the business for doing that. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think in terms of what I didn't enjoy about this record, I think just there were a couple, as you say, there were a couple tracks here and there that didn't quite hit the same. I think one uh, one aspect that's carried through from his previous stuff that I've kind of this maybe not liked as much that sort of I've seen here is that the more uh, the tracks more focused on a like a full vocal rather than a sample feel a lot weaker, uh, particularly the track like Bow or something like that, where right. his very maximalist production style doesn't really allow for the kind of space to create a more vocal-centered track, uh, at least from what I've heard him try to do. I think there are definitely problems with that on Butter and definitely on Lantern, I think. Uh, it's a lot less prominent here, but I think um, there are still points where these type of tracks come in and out and they feel a lot weaker than than some of the more maximalist uh, bangers, but also some of the more progressive and strange moments on this thing. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think this with Relistens, I think this probably will grow to be my favorite Hudson Mohawk release. As I say, Butter has a it's a very sort of special place in my heart as a very uh, important and influential record just in general, but also to me as well uh, in terms of my music taste. But uh, yeah, I think in terms of the actual quality of the songs, um, I think this is definitely his best effort today, which I, I I'm really happy to see, <laughs> especially because yeah, yeah, yeah. it almost seemed like he was kind of done with albums after Lantern, uh, but. Uh, yeah, no, I was I was really really happy with this one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> especially as uh, I was like, I say not hundred percent sure what I was what I was expecting coming into it in terms of quality, but I, I definitely delivered. Yeah, I completely agree. I uh, I didn't really have maybe the background coming into this, but um, I had sort of heard good things, and obviously warp is a, is always a good indicator of quality, and uh, and yeah, this this really came through for me. Um, like I said, it sort of gave me a lot to be excited about when it comes to uh, modern electronic music, and I really appreciated appreciated it for that. And yeah, I mean, just to to close that out, I'd say I definitely recommend checking out uh, Butter, but also some of the the like archival releases from from two thousand twenty. Uh, I think they showcase some of the the most fun and and exciting dance music uh, mm. sort of about at the moment um actually i feel like you probably would have heard tonight right tnght i don't think so i don't think oh, okay. so it's not i I'd, mean i'd be surprised I'm looking at it now and it's not okay you Maybe. i feel like you will have heard higher ground if you listen to that song <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'll, uh yeah i'll definitely give it a that's also another thing uh worth listening to that's a ve- i feel like a especially that tonight ep is so in particular, so influential in terms of, uh, mm. I feel like, uh, pop and electronic production within sort of the early to mid 2010s. I think that that record is very, very important. Uh, so yeah, a huge, uh, huge recommend on that one. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably probably time to move on to our, our last record of the episode. If you wanted to introduce it, yeah, for sure. So the last album of the episode is going to be the new Shrapnel release, Metal Love. <laughs> 
Um, so Shrapnel very recently signed on to uh, Backwards, who uh, we've talked about quite a bit in the past. They've released some really important hip-hop re- releases uh, recently, most notably um, the Armand Hammer releases, uh, stuff with Billy Woods and Lucid, uh, but also stuff we've, we've talked about on other episodes. So we talked about... Um, the Steel Tipped Dove release called When yes. You're Outside. We talked about Death Sea and Messiah Music's Trapdoor. Um, I'm sure we talked about Kenny Seagal before. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. They've, they've, and, they've I mean, felt, also, um, I mean, the solo records from both artists, uh, with Shrapnel being a duo of Prem Rock and Curly Castro, who both released solo records on Backwards recently, which I both thought right. were, were pretty good. So, yeah. Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, that, that's that's exactly it. So, um, Backward Studios, pretty pretty important um, record label at the moment, uh, especially in the sort of slightly more abstract and underground hip hop game. Um, and you know, like you can't say we uh, we don't dive in a little bit. This this album got way less exposure than uh, Cheat Codes. Um, however, I wanted to feature this one because. I think it's better, <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know. Part, part of the reason we we wanted to do this podcast at the start was because there's too much music coming out, and yes. uh, people miss people miss releases like this, and I think that is just unacceptable because um, this is one of the most interesting hip hop releases I've heard all year. Uh, so I think it deserves some proper attention. And uh, a little bit of time just to, to talk it over. So, I mean, you've you've talked a little bit about the um, the artists that make up Shrapnel, Kelly uh, Castro, and Primrock. Um, but you know, were you sort of particularly familiar with this project before, or is it more just their solo work? Yeah. So I, I heard the the self title from twenty twenty, and I thought that was uh, I thought that was a really underrated record. I really enjoyed that one. Uh, mm. And then, so yeah, I was excited coming into this. Um, we've got. I, we've got engineering from uh, Willie Green on this thing, who is a I feel like really important within this scene of of East Coast abstract hip hop. He's his name is on like all of the all of the real records that are very important within that scene. Works extensively with backwards, uh, and also um, most of the production on this thing is handled by uh, Still Tip Dove, who we mentioned earlier, and I think mm. is uh, one of. Th- one of the most forward-thinking producers uh, within that scene, alongside uh, also, I believe, is it? Uh, let me just make sure he is on this thing. Yeah, alongside Child Actor, who also I think is some produces some of the most interesting beats within this sort of sphere of hip hop. Uh, so for them to be between them having produced almost all of the tracks on this thing, uh, that was a a real sort of I guess that really turned me on to, to this more than I that I was already having heard the having heard the the self titled and yeah I think um, if I thought the self title was underrated this is this is a real step up in my opinion mm-hmm. uh, this is this is a lot weirder a lot more out there and as you mentioned I would definitely put it up there with one of the most interesting hip hop records of the year uh, yeah I, I I mean to just to just sort of get into it, I think the 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 opening track really gives you a great idea of what uh, what you're in for here. Uh, Running Rebel Swordplay is the name of the track, and I think immediately um, they're sort of trading bar for bar, and 
displaying a really high level of on mic chemistry for um, for for a duo who've only put out one album prior to this i think um their voices really suit each other as a as a sort of as a pairing and i think uh the the production on that track which i believe is done by child actor is also a really great indicator of what you're going to get on this record because it's it's hard hitting but noisy and really strange i think um mm-hmm. yeah uh it's it's almost like the um yeah this record i it feels like it has two really important dimensions to it which is how interesting the production is and how well the performances by both uh mcs complement that production because i think uh yeah the, those are yeah to me the, the most important pieces of what made, makes this record so great to me yeah i completely agree um it was really cool to see. So, so again, I, I'm not as familiar with with some of the the names behind the scenes on this one, but uh, I think they did an amazing job of building up the uh, sort of intricate. Well, I mean, I, again, I, I I always like to talk about the the cover art because I think that is a really cool indicator of maybe what to expect from yeah. a, a project. And uh, the cover art for this one is an incredibly detailed, intricate cityscape, and I think that is exactly what you get built up for the production and then sort of expanded on with the, the lyricism and performances from the MCs. So um, I think it sells that idea incredibly well. Uh, it really, really, really fits with what you're expecting. And then the performances themselves are like surprisingly varied over, I mean, we talked about a lot of varied music today, but uh, in this one, the maybe the production sort of stays more more similar throughout, whereas the I, I found there was a lot of variety um in the actual delivery, yeah, uh, on the tracks, um, I think I think I sent the message to you that it goes a little bit cloud dead, uh, yeah, at times. It and does. I was like, you know, like it's it's weird. It's like you're listening to a to a track, and it might be a sort of more typical uh, backwards style album affair, and then suddenly you're like into this really. Um, interesting uh abstract lyricism that you might expect from like a you know a 2000s clouded album then it'll go into something a bit more jazzy um which which is really cool to see i really like that about it yeah no i there's definitely a a variety in terms of of that and i think one thing that i thought was really interesting was how um uh over most of the record uh, anytime there was sort of a, a featured artist the 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 beat uh, production sort of changed up to to sort of suit their style or almost like yeah 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 it almost it almost felt like the the camera had moved to a different shot or something <laughs> um, it's it sort of there's a um, uh, there are there's I believe listed like four features on this thing but there are a few more um, with including an uncredited Billy Woods verse on Mescalito which uh, when he comes in it gets uh, sort of a lot more jazzy a lot uh more like downbeat i guess um yeah, yeah and I, I, that was a really nice surprise uh to to come out but i think yeah that there's there's definitely more of a consistency with the production than i guess some of the other albums we've talked about here uh because it definitely has this common thread between it of how uh yeah heavy and noisy the drum production is and how i guess chaotic the rest of the the beats are i think generally 
with this more with this sort of type of hip hop, you generally associate it with the more sort of skeletal beats, the more uh, atmospheric production, maybe that you would get on like a car record or something. In terms of the most, I guess, severe of of that of that kind of thing, in terms of where you have like a like one sample drums maybe, and then he's just like rattling off uh, some absolutely bizarre cryptic lyrics um but yeah no this thing is really productionally maximalist in a way that i've not heard from a record of this ilk before and i think as we sort of alluded to i think it really complements both uh both artist deliveries i think um you have uh some really sort of aggressive and expressive deliveries from uh Cully Castro on this thing. I think it, the way he's able to sort of change up and strain his voice uh throughout this record is something that I found really impressive. As well as I think uh Premrot really stands out for how how tight and consistent his flows are. He feels really, really tapped into the production on this thing in kind of the same way to when you hear like elucid on an arm and hammer beat where he almost feels like an extension of the production in in yeah. how how tuned in he he feels to it uh yeah i i i think both mc's cr- uh contributed really fantastically in very different ways that um yeah i i think really made this record and i i, I think um uh sort of demonstrated why i guess like hip-hop groups especially hip-hop duos can really create um can really do something i mean it's so it's like the utility of 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 working in hip-hop groups of like yeah like two three people or something in terms of how you're able to contrast your deliveries with each other but create a whole that really works within both both uh both artist styles and also the production because yeah th- th- i feel like they do have quite a contrasting delivery kind of similar yes. to arm and hammer in a way but um they both they both sort of reinforce each other and the track in a way that uh just really paints a picture of like new york at its most esoteric i don't know <laughs> um yeah 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 I think, yeah I think that's it's a very point. evocative album i i felt and, and and on that note, like, so I didn't pick up on this through listening to it. I, I sort of uh, read read into it afterwards. But um, the references to uh, Cannibal Ox on this are really interesting. Um, it's clearly like a big inspiration point for this one. And I guess I guess without realizing it, I felt like there was some influence there, or like it it reminded me of say a modern take on that older style. Yeah, um, but actually, that's, yeah, that's the, point, actually. The, the references are actually more explicit than that apparently in the. Uh, in some of the wordplay, so uh, I yeah, I mean, uh, the, uh, to keep in mind while you're listening to this. Yeah, I mean, there are a bunch of interesting uh, references on this thing. I mean, for, just from ones I caught, there are references to Jizza, Doom, Wu Tang, and also Weezer at one point. <laughs> uh, I believe, I, I believe there is a reference to a One Rivers Cuomo on on this album, uh, yes. which is yeah, which yeah. is very funny. Um, but yeah, I, I I really yeah I, I appreciated that sort of thing, uh, especially within this sort of uh, the more sort of abstract East Coast hip hop. You you 
you're you're obviously going to get that kind of thing in terms of you know you're referencing i guess the your your main influences or you know i guess what what brought you to this point you know in terms of yeah. why you're making this music uh and uh that's something i've always really appreciated because it, it feels like i don't know sort of weaving uh it, it's it's almost like a like a folk canon in a way in terms of uh the way in which artists are sort of preserving uh their their whether it's sort of obvious or not from the music but their uh, their influences and who who they grew up listening to or who they were listening to when they were making this music, uh, yeah, it sort of it sort of creates this 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 kind of um, like informal, uh, I guess, uh, informal sort of weave of of, of artists that uh, sort of um, yeah, I I, I think um, sort of as I say builds up this kind of canon that I think is really interesting uh as it's sort of done uh, as usually that kind of thing is done from like a critic perspective and you know they'll be like these are the best albums these are the most influential albums but from explicitly putting this in your music it creates that from an artist's perspective that i think is yes, really important yes, yes, because yes. it that's a great point it, it it basically allows you you to you to make that uh sort of not judgment, but like make that like assertion for yourself as an artist, and um, yeah, I, I think that's that's a really important and interesting part of, of of the sort of of this sort of scene that I, I really appreciate, and I think really stood out to me in terms of the 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 lyricism on this thing. Um, yeah, as I say, I didn't have too much time to to dive into the lyrics across the whole record, but I think. The 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 one that really stood out to me was the track Obol, which is the the sick track, uh, which has some really uh, hard hitting sort of lyrical themes about exploitation of black people in the U.S. And uh, there's a really really great verse from uh, Ethel Lee on this thing. Yeah, I, I think that was a real standout track to me, and one that uh, really showcased. Um, some some fantastic i guess lyrical talent uh and also i thought there was some really nice recurring uh like alice in wonderland mm. imagery on damn alice i thought that was really interesting and really i guess like tastefully done it, it didn't feel overbearing but it, it felt very very fun and tongue in cheek for a record that is otherwise quite uh quite heavy uh in most other aspects yeah i i uh, i totally agree with all that um i also want to say uh i really enjoyed the closing track on this one um i think they do a fantastic yes. job yes. of wrapping it up on gravity falls um and also the the, the trap for as well ghost kitchen i think it's, it's great but uh yeah Gra gravity falls yeah. as a closer i think is uh is a master stroke really 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 top top quality yeah stuff. i, I that was the main other thing I had to mention. I think that is, as a closer, it feels very yes. yeah, yeah. for a record that already feels quite huge in terms of just its sound, right? Um, it's a, it's a very, it's a record that really grabs your attention, but then to sort of, it's almost like they saved them, like the, the real peak for for last and I, I i thought it was just a perfect bookend to to this album uh yeah no i i really appreciated that as as the closer um 
yeah, I don't really have too much other to say uh, other than I really appreciated how ambitious and out there this record was. I really appreciated um, the consistency of the production and who they were working with. And yeah, I think this is probably one of my favorite hip hop albums of the year. One that I'm definitely going to be going back to a lot. Uh, yeah, as I say, Backwards does it again. <laughs> <laughs> as we've mentioned, they've been putting out some absolutely amazing stuff, Billy Woods stuff. Uh, I Told Bessie by Lucid is also one, another one of my favorite hip hop albums of the year. So yeah, no, no. Uh, I, I was going to say, I, I thought the self-title was underrated, but if this doesn't pick up some kind of traction from somewhere, I'm going to be... <laughs> this, is a, this is a really, really high-quality record. I think a lot of people, if they were aware of it, would get a lot out of, I think. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, unfortunately, at the rate things are going, it looks like it, you know, it's going to be a bit of a hidden gem for a while, but these things, you know, these things do pick up. Enough people talk about them, enough people rate, yeah. rate them highly enough, it shows up on a few in the year list, and then suddenly... A year later, these things uh, pick up loads of attention. So, um, hopefully, yeah, you know, exactly. promote it a little bit for them. <laughs> yeah, no, but um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. All I have to say. I mean, I, I very I had very little like negative to say about this thing. Honestly, it, it was um, yeah, just a really really impressive. No, I, I yeah, and and like weirdly, this is like the safest of the four uh, albums we talked about. But for that, yeah. In, yeah. in the same way that the other albums were, you know, wild and beautifully flawed, I think this is incredibly solid and therefore not particularly yeah. flawed. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was about to say, I, I, there's very little I can pick apart about this thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, yeah. Uh, I, absolutely incredible abstract hip hop release. As I say, it's, um, yeah. We, we love to yeah, see Yeah, for sure. <laughs> cool. I guess that's it then. Um, yeah. Obviously, yeah, the, so. the timing on this release has is, is been a bit weird. So, uh, you know, the we're, we're recording on Thursday the 1st. So uh, we we thought we'd sort of split it up into into like two weeks ago and then last week and tomorrow, um, purely because there's so yeah. much stuff that came out last week that I would... It would literally, yeah. literally be impossible to split things. I already had to cut out half my shoutouts today. So, um, is there anything in particular that's coming out in the the last week or tomorrow that you're, you're sort of particularly excited for? Yeah. So, I mean, I've only I've only written down stuff that's coming out tomorrow, but I think um, uh, there's a few few records over the coming days that I'm really excited for. Uh, there's a new. Uh, Nadja album called Labyrinthine. Uh, Nadja, one of my favorite drone post metal bands. Uh, very consistent, large discography. I'm sure this one will be great. Um, we've got uh, the debut record by Himera, uh, Sharing Secrets. I absolutely love the the EP they put out a couple years ago. Uh, I've seen them sort of DJ live. I had a great time. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited for this one. Uh, and I guess also. We have the sort of debut solo EP release from uh, Sarah from Cara Cara Benito on the name mm. Crylot, which is uh, called Icarus. Uh, so yeah, uh, those are ones I'm really looking forward to from tomorrow. And also another one that I'm going to let you have oh. as well. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, excited. I mean, we're both pretty... This is the Callus Dalbotch one, right? Um, yeah, we're, we're yeah, both pretty yeah. excited for this. I think this is uh, has the potential to be 
by far the most exciting album of the uh, of the last couple of weeks. So super super excited to to finally hear that one. Um, other than that, there are a couple of albums that have come out that I've listened to or am listening to. Um, the new Jid album it does not seem like the sort of thing that I would be really into, and yet I'm talking about it anyway. So you know, uh, it's it's hard to spoil it. It's really good. Um, there's a, a new uh, Tropical Fuckstorm EP, Moonburn, um, which I mean, I just oh, yeah, absolutely that. love those guys. Uh, new. Yeah, that's a really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, a new uh, Diamanda Galas um, project, Broken Gargoyles, yes. which uh, I heard for the first time today, and it was very weird. Uh, there's a new Mac Homie album, Dollar Mini Four. Uh, anything else? Oh, there's a there's a new uh, DJ Sabrina um, project. Yeah, I saw that. I haven't got. Yeah, that's that pretty cool. Um, and then I guess I mean there's there's a load of other smaller things. So. I'm going to keep my eyes out and listen yeah. as much as I can. Well, well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it's not going to be particularly long before we're recording the next one. So we'll see what we're talking about. Yeah, for week, sure. Uh, I guess. Cool. Wow. <laughs> look at the time. We managed to yeah. get an episode under one hour 40. Incredible. <laughs> nice. <laughs> cool. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, please give us a follow on Twitter or Instagram and modulat underscore IO. Or check out our website at modulat.io. Uh, other than that, thank you for listening. Cheers.